You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Stephen D. Sullivan and St. Euphoria present... Atomic Tales! Stories of science, mystery, and excitement. This episode features the latest adventure in our fantastic original series, Strange Invaders. Tonight, we continue our adventures and reveal a bit about the start of the invasion in a story we call... Bugged by Flying Saucers. Join us now as we present another in our continuing series of Atomic Tales. I didn't get this job because of my dad. The young blonde driving our bureau car remarked out of the blue. I never said you did, I replied. But you thought it, she insisted. Everybody at the agency does. Just because my dad's a general. And the liaison to the U.S. Science Bureau, I noted, and immediately regretted doing so out loud. Gloria G.G. Brock turned and glared at me in the back seat. I'm not just a secretarial assistant, Agent One. I have a degree, you know. One day, I'm going to be an agent. I'm sure, I replied. But could you keep your eyes on the road while you drive, please? My chauffeur, come future agent, turned back to driving and laughed. Afraid you'll lose another bureau car? What is it, two now in less than a month? The second one was Agent Sevens, and this one would be on you if you put us in a ditch. But you were there when that second car got destroyed. She continued, ignoring my dig. I nodded. Guilty as charged. It was the bugs again, right? She asked. Gigi had passed all her security clearances, so even though she was a new hand at the Bureau, I felt safe being candid with her. Yeah. She gave an impressed whistle. Giant bugs, who'd have thought? How'd this all start? I mean, I've read the files, but you were there too, right? Yep. So tell me about it. If I'm going to be an agent, I need to know what it's like in the field. I could see no polite way to weasel out of this conversation, so I settled into the back seat and resigned myself to filling her in. It would be a long drive to the airport for my rendezvous with Agent 2 anyway. Okay, here's the deal. I have to admit, I wasn't too impressed when Prof Tarragon sent me out to investigate a series of flying saucer reports in the Rockies. People have been seeing unidentified objects in the sky since the Kenneth Arnold sightings back in 47, right? Gigi nodded enthusiastically as she drove. You bet. As with a lot of incidents, I continued, the center of these sightings was pretty remote, but, like any good agent, I quickly made my way via the nearest airport and then picking up a bureau car to the town of Moret, Colorado, population 150. How long have you been seeing these lights, Mr. Jensen? I asked. Oh, a few weeks now, I guess. But call me Tim, stranger. Everybody does. I didn't quite catch your name, Mr... The scrawny middle-aged man flashed me a gap-toothed smile. He was dressed in jeans, work boots, and a red and black flannel shirt, against the chill of the late spring evening. 
He smelled of tobacco and stale beer. Agent Raymond, I replied. It's bureau policy to give only first names when possible. Luckily, mine can pass for either, avoiding the need to elaborate. FBI? Jensen inquired. Something like that, I said, briefly flashing my science bureau shield. USSB, official government business. He nodded knowingly. I figured some of you government types would want in on this. That's why I called the Air Force. They didn't seem too interested when I called, but... But here I am. So, what made you contact us? Well, it ain't natural, is it? Things buzzing about the sky like that, not making no sound? They ain't airplanes, I can tell you that. Oh, you certain about that? You bet your boots I am. I worked a carrier back in the war, Pacific Theater. Ain't no planes of ours can move like that. None of the Japs, neither. Silent as ghosts, they were. And one minute they're flitting about over the trees and between the mountains, and then the next, boom, vanished. Shoot right up into the sky, faster than you can see, I expect. I didn't used to believe in flying saucers, but now... He trailed off, thoughtfully, gazing down from his mountainside cabin into the wooded valley stretching out below. The scent of the pine trees wafted to us on a gentle evening breeze. The sun had set and darkness was closing in. The first stars already blazed brightly in the cerulean sky overhead. So they're saucer-shaped? I asked. Jensen scratched his balding head. Well, not exactly. It's hard to describe. They're big lights and they glow like a yellowish-green. Sometimes they flash. Sometimes they just burn bright. How big, would you say? Hard to tell. Up on the mountainside with them so far away, but I'd say maybe five or ten yards across. Maybe more. And like I say, they're moving fast, and there's one now. He pointed down into the wooded valley below, and sure enough, a bright green light flitted over the treetops. It moved erratically, sometimes looping or turning at obtuse angles, sometimes vanishing for a few moments before reappearing somewhere nearby. I told you, Jensen enthused. Silent as ghosts. Ain't no aircraft can move like that. Reluctantly, I had to agree. I had no way to tell how big the thing was, but it was too persistent and moved too strangely to be fireworks or any kind of aircraft I knew. Let's go check it out, I suggested. You know these woods better than I do, Tim. Jensen paled. No thank you, Mr. Agent, sir. I don't want to turn into no mindless alien slave. I seen that They Come From Outer Space movie. You go look if you like, but pardon me if I don't put my neck in the same noose. Disagreeing would have been pointless. So with a few grumbled words of thanks, I fetched my flashlight and my pistol from the glove compartment of my Studebaker and hiked downhill toward the phenomenon. As I went, a second weird light joined the first, darting above the treetops in the valley, moving very fast and changing direction frequently. Soon, it and the first light were circling each other before veering off and streaking between the rocky mountainsides. Definitely not swamp gas, I muttered to myself as the slope leveled off. I couldn't help but feel that there was some kind of intelligence behind the movement of those uncanny glows. And then, a third light appeared, and a fourth, joining the others in their weird aerial ballet. I squinted into the gathering darkness, still trying to determine how large the objects were, or what their true shape might be, but to no avail. The circle of illumination from my flashlight played across the bed of pine needles and low scrub ahead of me but I still missed my footing on the uneven ground. I stumbled, and for a moment the beam careened wildly across the treetops and into the sky as I tried to both keep my footing and hang on to the light's sturdy metal housing. Just as I righted myself, one of the circling lights suddenly broke off from the rest and veered in my direction, its glow flashing brighter as it came. 
I dropped the flashlight and caught my balance, drew my gun and took aim. Don't make me shoot whatever you are, I called, well aware that the thing might not hear me or even understand English. I ducked as it zipped overhead, a drumbeat buzzing sound droning in my ears. The thing wasn't nearly as large as I'd guessed from a distance, but moving at that speed I figured it could still take my head off. It looped around a tree trunk and came back at me. Halt, or I'll shoot, I warned. It didn't stop. It streaked straight toward me. I fired. Three shots, dead center, just like they teach you in the service. The light seemed to break up. The weird buzzing sputtered and my oddball opponent tumbled to the ground. Turned out, it wasn't that big at all, only a bit larger than a dinner plate. Its glow pulsed as it writhed on the ground, dying, its six spiky legs flailing. I'll be damned, a firefly. Needless to say, it was a lot bigger than any firefly I'd ever seen before. I felt kind of bad that I'd killed it. I picked up my flashlight from the forest floor and kept the beam aimed at the ground. The rest of the oversized bugs, there were half a dozen of them at the peak of their activity, left me alone. Strangely, the body of the one I'd killed quickly disintegrated, decaying in mere moments into a pool of foul-smelling bug guts and glowing greenish goo. In a moment, even the small remainder disappeared, sinking into the soil or evaporating. It left not a single sample for me to take back to the Bureau, much to the disappointment of the Doc and our other scientists. When I reported to HQ, Professor Tarragon informed me that the insects were harmless pollen eaters and shouldn't be a threat to humans, even at that freakish size. The Bureau sent out Agents 7 and 9 to collect evidence and take pictures, but we were unable to lure the giant fireflies into coming anywhere near us after my initial encounter. Maybe they'd learned it was dangerous to mess with human beings. I gazed out the Studebaker's window, watching the last glow of sunset disappear behind the trees as the car neared the small airfield. That might have been the end of it if the incidents had stopped there. After all, what's a few big fireflies putting on a light show in Colorado every spring? Jensen and the locals in Moret were pretty happy about the bugs, figured they had a new tourist attraction, one they didn't even have to feed or maintain. I shook my head ruefully. How could any of us, even the tarragons or the other big brains in the Bureau, know those fireflies would just be the start? What do you think is going on with all this weird stuff, Agent One? Who knows? At first, we thought the bugs were just a natural mutation. Later, Doc Tarragon posited the outlandish growth might be related to atomic radiation. Moret is downwind from a few test sites. But now, giant bugs popping up? UFOs buzzing the skies, reports of unnatural creatures haunting the U.S. Things used to be so normal, my young chauffeur opined. Now it's almost like we're caught in some kind of strange invasion. Yeah, almost, I mused. So, you said that Colorado was only the start. What happened next? When did the Terragons decide there was more to it? When did the Bureau expand, and... I thought you said you'd read the files. I did, but... Hearing you talk about it really makes the whole thing come alive. For a moment, I almost thought she was flirting with me, but I quickly dismissed the idea. She was cute, I'll admit, but she was also barely old enough to vote, and a general's daughter to boot. Whatever happened after that, we'll have to wait for our next ride, I replied with a grin. We're here, and I've got a plane waiting. Keep your nose clean, Agent Brock. I will. She assured me. Don't take any wooden nickels, Agent One. I won't. 
<laughs> Try not to crash AG2's car, she added laughingly. The bureau's not made out of money, you know? Hi, this is Arif Silverman, and I wanted to let you know that my radio play, Black Blade, is now available to stream on the Fantasy Network. The play chronicles the apex of a decades-long witch hunt and includes ancient forests, wyverns, and magic swords. A diverse cast of characters and team members tell a subversive, timely story about a world racked with political and environmental struggles. I hope you'll tune in. TFN Audio. Creator distributed. Fan supported. This has been an original story of Strange Invaders, part of our ongoing series of Atomic Tales, brought to you by St. Euphoria Productions. Tonight's episode, Bugged by Flying Saucers, was written by Stephen D. Sullivan. It was produced, edited, and read by Christopher R. Mim and featured Gwen Ruhoff as Gloria Gigi Brock. Be sure to tune in next month for more Atomic Tales. Visit us at www.atomictales.com. Please support the films of Christopher R. Milne by visiting SaintEuphoria.com and the work of Stephen D. Sullivan via his Patreon at PaySteve.com. All elements of this episode are copyright 2021 by their creators and may not be reproduced or reused without permission. Atomic Tales and Strange Invaders are trademarks of Stephen D. Sullivan, all rights reserved. This is the Saint Euphoria Audiocast Network. <laughs>